welcome to all of our listeners to another episode of Wellbeing at Work podcast. Uh, although today is not at work, we're talking about the student experience and educational institutions. My name is Rob Gould, Vice President of Student and Canadian Business Solutions at Workplace Options. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about student well-being and what we are seeing affecting students' mental health, given everything that is happening in our world. Our guest on today's episode is Nadine Baladi. Nadine is the Vice President of Student Operations at ILSC Education Group. In her role, Nadine is responsible for the day-to-day operations of ILSC Language School in Greystone College, Canada, and for developing and enhancing strategic higher education pathway partnership agreements. Nadine is passionate about quality programming and accreditation and puts the student experience at the core of everything she does. We are so pleased to have you with us, Nadine. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Nadine, when we talk about student mental health, from your experience, what are some trends that you're seeing when it comes to students' well-being? I think we're seeing trends both on the student side and we're also seeing trends on the institution side. So I would say that in students' mental health, we're really seeing how the pandemic has increased overall anxiety uh, for our students. I think that um, during the pandemic, people have gotten a little more comfortable with being at home and being on their screens. Um, and now that they're coming back to class face to face, it's made them a little more self-conscious. So um, we're seeing more students experience mental health issues. Students are sometimes feeling isolated. They're struggling maybe to hold on to a job while also trying to be successful in their studies. And we're also seeing an increase in sort of fragility of personal relationships and friendships. So through increased um, anxiety levels, though, I, I would say that we're also hearing a lot about a lot more about students' stressors. Um, it seems like perhaps throughout the same period of, of the pandemic, there's been a bit of a destigmatization of mental health, certainly in certain age groups and in certain cultures. And so as a result, we are seeing that students are becoming more aware of their own mental health and more vocal about it. Um, and so I, I feel that that's encouraging despite the high levels of anxiety. I think on the institutional side, um, schools are responding differently as well. I think there's a realization now that, uh, especially as international educators, we really need to meet the varied needs of students um, for those especially that are coming from overseas into Canada. I think both their physical and mental health is paramount. And so there are a couple of stress factors that institutions are easily able to assist with. So it, we're realizing more and more that it's vital to ensure that students have safe and affordable housing. At ILS Education Group, for example, any student who requests placement in housing through us is guaranteed a spot, and we offer a whole bunch of different uh, types of housing. Um, we also know that some students really need to secure in- employment. So sometimes it's for a part-time job during their program, but sometimes they really want to start focusing on their careers in advance. Um, so again, you know, we have a department that really assists them through those things. And I think in alleviating those stressors, um, students are able to focus on their studies, hopefully feel um, happier and, and more successful. What you're saying about students becoming more vocal about their mental health absolutely rings true. 
the destigmatization of mental health has benefited younger people to the point where they're openly discussing their mental health and well-being. That stigma of mental health has largely been removed for this generation, and it's the first generation to experience that. Uh, the CBC recently published an article about the alarming rates of Canadian youth struggling with mental health issues post-COVID-19. According to the findings from the CBC, pediatric centres in Canada have seen increased rates of young people hospitalised for mental health issues like anxiety and suicide attempts. And these rates are not specific to Canada alone. We're seeing this story unfold for young people in other countries. In that same article, recent data from the CDC in the US also points to the decline of mental health state of American teens. There is no doubt that COVID-19 brought on unprecedented challenges and the negative effect it had on mental health. This is just one disruptive event that is contributing to this climate of uncertainty in our world. From your perspective, how have the events of the past two years changed the trajectory of international students studying in Canada? International students now are able to start their coursework overseas. So oftentimes students are receiving conditional letters of acceptances into their program, and they may choose to meet those conditions back home, sort of in the comfort of their own home with fewer stressors. They may, for example, uh, reach the required level of English online through their destination institution, but they're allowed to do that before leaving their home country. So we're seeing that more and more. Um, I think that also many colleges have started hosting pre-departure orientations to inform students. It used to be that um, students would land sort of in Canada and would, you know, start everything, get all the information they need once they're in Canada. But that has changed a little bit where there's a little more support provided prior to departure. We certainly host those types of pre-departure orientations, and we've seen parents joining the students as well during those calls. And it really alleviates a lot of doubts, anxieties, questions pre-departure. Um, I think that we are optimistically um, seeing that travel rates for travel for study purposes are back to the same levels that they were before the pandemic or very close to. So that's really optimistic. It means that there is pent up demand that students are feeling like they're ready to kind of burst out of their shells and go uh, adventure overseas and put themselves a little bit outside of their comfort zones. I think that ultimately also, you know, you've mentioned in your question that there are a variety of events that, that have happened, not just the pandemic. And we're definitely seeing also a lot of Ukrainian students coming into Canada, Ukrainian staff as well that we are lucky enough to hire. Uh, but they come with a whole different set of stressors as well, often worrying about their families and loved ones back home. So I think ultimately, ultimately, I would say one thing we've observed, uh, though, is just the increased levels of empathy that everyone is providing for everyone else, whether it's faculty or staff giving that empathy to the students, students giving it to one another or to staff. Uh, but that's something that has changed. And I think there's just more of an appreciation of the importance of mental health and um, and, and self-care and caring for others. Uh, it's great to, to, to end that uh, response on a positive note. I like to hear that. Um, sorry to focus back on the negative, but <laughs> the recent increased cost of living is also putting an incredible strain on, on all Canadians. And certainly this, uh, uh, you know, affects the world globally. We don't hear a lot of how it's actually affecting students. So how is this inflation affecting students in particular? 
Yeah, it's affecting them majorly. Um, a lot of students are living away from their parents and their parents' home. Oftentimes, students are paying to, for their own world, way through the world for the first time when they are on campus, um, whether they're international students or Canadian students studying in a different new city. Uh, so all of a sudden, um, to purchase that same you know, grocery bag, they have to be working more hours. Um, and so they, they need to work more hours, um, more so than they've ever done before. And sometimes that becomes really difficult then to maintain the same intensity and level of study. So cost of living is stressing students. And some of them sometimes even decide to just return home or put a pause on their studies, maybe change schools, go to a school that's closer uh, to their parents' place where they can commute, um, or just really focus on one thing, either only working and dropping their studies or only studying but in an environment that can support no work. Um, you know, I think the Government of Canada has recognized that need for increased hours. They've also, of course, recognized the need for more laborers um, in Canada. There is such a, a shortage right now. And so they have actually changed the law temporarily for international students. International students used to be limited to 20 hours per week of work, and the Canadian government has given them the permission to work full-time, up to 40 hours per week. And so that can be really helpful for international students um, so that they can you know, cover their costs of everyday living. But of course, it can also be super overwhelming um, because then all of a sudden they're managing full-time work and full-time schooling, which is a condition of being in Canada as a student. You must be a full-time student. Um, so, so it can be helpful, but it can also be distracting to their success as a student. Bit of a mixed bag there and uh, almost a, yeah. a catch-22, the increased hours. Uh, sure, that allows them to work more, but that uh, may take them away from their studies. This next question is on a, a fairly sensitive topic, and uh, I think people can tend to shy away from discussing it, but I think it's really important to talk about it, and that is suicide. Suicide numbers among young people has always been a cause for concern. According to data from the Government of Canada, suicide is the second leading cause of death among youth and young adults in Canada between the ages of 15 and 34. Have you seen any best-in-class prevention programs related to suicide? Yeah, so that age group, 15 to 34, um, that is exactly sort of who, you know, who we teach in our colleges. Um, and in addition to that, many of them are international students. Um, I think the first thing we've observed um, is that international students, sometimes depending on where they come from, they specifically choose Canada as their destination because they recognize Canada as progressive in terms of mental wellness, um, and they, um, they they recognize that there are additional supports available here. And because of that, you know, we really believe that it is indeed our responsibility to have a best-in-class program. We have mental health um, groups, we have programs, we have preventative measures that are set up, and in those we make sure that students are aware of the ease of access of that support and the confidential the confidentiality that comes with that well-being support. I think ultimately, like our, our approach um, on each of our campuses is a multi-pronged approach. 
on the one hand, we bring in experts and professionals that know how to help. They are accessible sometimes in school, uh, oftentimes virtually through a phone number, through appointments, etc. We train our staff. In fact, those same experts uh, and professionals are the ones who train our staff. And then also very important, we train our students to understand mental health and recognize mental health stressors. The faculty are often the first people that students will turn to. You know, you've mentioned training faculty and staff to intervene, to recognize and respond to mental health stressors. What type of training programs would be best suited to train faculty to respond to emotional crisis situations? I think I think it's really important to note that oftentimes faculty or administrators like myself are nervous to intervene. And sometimes we might even not want to be trained. There is a little bit of um, a, a nervousness around doing the wrong thing or feeling like if we are trained, then we become responsible for someone's mental health. Um, but of course, We've also recognized that training people allows people to be confident in the area. So we've brought in trainers, either through a a virtual workshop, um, and and we really tried to help our faculty identify as first responders to mental health issues. Um, I think everyone recognizes, because we've all been students at one point in our lives, that we often connect with our instructors more so than maybe administrators. Um, and so we will often confide in our teachers before we go see anyone else on campus. So it is incredibly important for faculty to be trained and to become those first responders. And I think that um, the, the biggest sort of aha moment or breakthrough for faculty in that training is when they understand that it's not on them to actually resolve the mental health issue at hand, but it really is on them to be a safe conduit for students to learn through them where and when they can access expert and confidential tools, whether those tools are inside or outside of the school walls. Bravo. Uh, Bravo to you and your organization. I think that's a really important Yeah, that's really an important uh, piece right there. Uh, Again, acknowledging that the faculty administrators are often the first people that students uh, will turn to when they're experiencing a mental health issue. So that's that's wonderful to hear. Um, This last question I have is is a tricky one. Uh, Many times throughout my career, I I have run into uh, clients and students who say, you know, we have these supports. Um, and the students just don't know about them. And the students will say, oh, I didn't know I had this support. How can institutions effectively promote well-being support and services to students? And that's something we're particularly proud of because we've put a lot of thought into it. Obviously, the problem was ours as well. We had all of these great programs, but no one used them, and it wasn't because they didn't need them. It was oftentimes because they didn't remember they were accessible. They didn't know they were accessible. So we've, we've put in kind of a a, a, a a complex, I suppose, promotion of those tools and services. We recognize that it's super crucial to constantly put those in front of the students. And so we do that in various modalities and at multiple touch points in the student journey. Um, so here are these kind of different touch points. So we'll do it definitely during the orientation. In fact, we do it in the pre-departure orientation where we ask students to pull out their phones and to download the mental well-being app that we use at the at the school. 
Um, we also include that information in the student contract that they sign and in the student manual. We also have uh, an ILSC language school and a Greystone College app for students. So in those apps also, they have the link to the phone numbers and to the mental wellness um, um, app itself. And then posters, obviously, posters can sometimes go unseen. You know, if you have them everywhere, then they, they become sort of invisible. So we've actually found a few key places. We place them behind bathroom stall doors. Oftentimes, students will go into a bathroom stall, unfortunately, if they want to cry privately. Uh, we also put them in the student residences. We'll put them in host families uh, in the in the bedroom, kind of behind the door again. And you know, these places where students naturally might go to if they want some privacy, if they're feeling sad and they want to isolate. And, and sort of that's that's a good reminder for them. We also make sure that teachers always bring it up at the start of every new course that's given. That's part of the mandate of the instructor. And then finally, obviously, you know, through that faculty training and through the staff training, it's always brought up again the minute there's that conversation with the student through any of, of the staff. And everyone knows that phone number. Everyone knows the app. Everyone is, in, in fact, encouraged to suggest it to the student. And if the student sometimes wants a little bit of hand-holding, then we we do allow our faculty to dial that number for the student as long as it's the student's request to be put in touch with services. Wow. Uh, it sounds like you've covered a lot of bases there. Well done once again. Nadine, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for your time and for sharing your experiences and insights to our listeners. We hope you found this episode valuable. Take good care. Thank you so much.